Oh, yes. The gang is back together. Welcome to the Betsports Golf DFS show. As always, I'm your host, John Daigle, joined as always as well by the betting manager here at Betsports and 4 Football and the host of the Move the Line NFL betting podcast, none other than my friend in life, Ryan Noonan. Noonan, how's everything been going on that end for you? Good. Yeah. Move the line, as you know, uh, as a partner there, we are, uh, we're in the streets. We're every week now moving forward with football stuff. And uh, that's exciting. And this, these are my two favorite sports to get in the weeds on golf and, and, uh, and the NFL and coming off of a nice profitable uh, NFL draft. Hopefully we can kind of parlay and use some of that extra money uh, in the DraftKings uh, lobby this week. So excited to get back to a normal event as we were talking before the show. Also profitable, Ron Kloss, of course, PGA Splits 101 for last week's tournament because it was interesting. I actually wanted to be here joining you men because DFS was such a a unique thing and that the field was basically a one-man show, and then you got to piece it together behind him. So how did everything go for you last week, Ron? Yeah, I was pleasantly surprised by the course. Um, it was a fun tournament to watch. Uh, I had Rom in 70% of my lineups, and I did pair him with Fino a lot but I just didn't have the right mix of those uh, six and seven K guys. Um, so, you know, this week looking forward to some carnage, a very tough course, difficult conditions, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see who rises to the challenge. I of course followed your content as I was working the NFL draft at four for four football and can tell you, I did go into Sunday morning with an outright on cam champ. And then once it became clear, the waterfall, the carnage that was happening when Ron started finally making a few putts, I quickly hedged out and still was successful. So as always, thank you, Ron, you helped me out even though I was not here, but you mentioned the carnage of this week. And that's because we now head to TPC Potomac, which is all about the length, right? Of the 12 par fours, eight will play around 450 yards or longer, while two play at nearly 500 yards. And having said that, you would think this would be about long irons since it is a long course. But distance off the tee, Ron, is not the only key stat we should talk about this week because from what I've read from you, it's accuracy off the tee that maybe we should feel is the superior stat to put in our lineups this week. Yeah, so off the tee, you know, you have narrow tree-lined fairways. You know, you have water, you have bunkers. You also have this thick three-inch uh, Kentucky Kentucky bluegrass rough, uh, which players have called a dead zone. Um, so fairway accuracy is the name of the game here. And, you know, when you look at the yardage, you know, 7,160 yards, it seems like a short course, uh, but you still want guys who are going to have a little bit of distance. Um, so kind of this week for me, it's not just fairways gained. Uh, obviously, that's really important, but you also want guys who are actually gaining strokes off the tee. Um, so you don't want guys with, you know, 220-yard irons into these greens. You know, you got guys with a little bit of distance. Um, now, you do have a lot of approach shots. Um, actually, half of them are coming from 175-plus yards. Um, and kind of the biggest thing that was an eye-opening to me is, you know, players who miss the fairway. And, of course, we're only going back to two events here, uh, mm-hmm. the Quicken Loans from 2017 and 2018. Um, you know, it played – 0.68 shots over par. It was actually the toughest non-major course in 2017. Uh, and that's what kind of prompted Justin Thomas, who played in that event. He claimed that this was a U.S. Open type course. Um, and so for me, when I saw that 40%, um, as far as players who missed the fairway, only have a 40% chance of hitting the green, um, which is the lowest on tour. So yeah, you definitely want to be in the fairway here. Um, and that's going to be very important to, for every, kind of every guy you're going to be targeting this week. As Ron mentioned, Noonan, we really only have two tournaments 
that we and everyone else in the field are looking at. So what stat do you really want to leverage against everyone since they are also talking about players like a Francisco Molinari, for instance, who, again, we only have two tournaments to look at here. So there's really no need to lean heavily on these individuals. Yeah, the Molinari thing was an outlier a little bit, you know, because you look at the rest of the board that year, there were some, you know, 13s and 12s, but the rest of it was down there in the single digits, similar to the Kyle Stanley year where he won. So it was just uh, Molinari at that point was, you know, an electric player, won, I think, three or four times that summer, went on and won the Open Championship. So like a little bit of a different thing. So I, I really leaning heavily on what we saw from Ron's course preview here where I think he made a good point there at the end. So it's not just fairway finders. We want guys that are gaining strokes still off the tee despite their lack of length. So it does bring more guys into play. It feels a little bit like a Pete Dye track uh, or even Larry Packard over at, uh, you know, Valspar at uh, Copperhead a couple weeks ago where we really need, you know, you need to find the fairway. The, the rough is penal, or even if you don't, you don't really set yourself up for secondary shots. So, looking at some guys, it does bring more guys into play this week, but I do think it's going to cross a few guys off that maybe are in play most weeks where the driver is a real, real weapon, mostly from a distance standpoint. So, uh, and that starts kind of at the top of the board, which I'm sure we'll do here quickly. That's why I'm excited to talk about this week because it feels like normal PGA DFS again. And for me, that starts the very top because DraftKings, for whatever reason, carried over last week's algorithm into Rory McIlroy's salary, and that John Rahm was the most expensive golfer last week, and he was 60% rostered. But it made sense. That was a different field. That was a different tournament. And yet, in being so rostered, they then said, well, okay, I guess we need to naturally price up the highest-priced golfer on the site. And so Rory comes in 400 more than Rahm was last week. And having said that, Ron, Rory is a good play. It's just frustrating that he now is so much more than anyone else. And that makes me think that perhaps he's even a good tournament player if we don't think the field is going to be overweight on him for his salary. Yeah, that's definitely one way to look at it. Um, when I look at the board this week, you know, for me, it's it's different than last week just because I think John Rahm was so ultra motivated. Um, and he, he even said that after he won, you know, he, he didn't care what tournament it was. He just wanted to win again. And so I don't know if Rory's going to have that exact drive and passion this week for me. I think he's going to be more about, you know, getting ready for the PGA in a couple weeks here. Uh, but the biggest thing for me is like the middle tier this week uh, is so much deeper than it was last week. So I think you have a lot more guys, you know, in that, you know, eight, nine K range that are going to be able to challenge Rory. So for me, that's kind of the biggest thing for, for, yeah, like um, to me, he's, He's definitely a good play. He's definitely the most talented player here. But, you know, when you talk about 400 more than Rom even was, you know, that's that's kind of getting into fade territory for me. So I guess that's really the theme. Let me phrase this differently at the top with these golfers, because last time we saw Rory, right, he went on that miraculous run in the final round of the Masters. Last time we saw Tony Finau this past week, he wasn't even competing. Like, this is the typical Finau thing, where he wasn't even in the final range of outcomes on the last day, and then crept up as if he had competed the whole time. No, Finau, you weren't there, because you played poorly through the first three rounds. And so I wonder if everyone goes back to him. We also saw Abraham Answer, who was not a good play last week, according to some, uh, be a better play, in my opinion, this week. Corey Connors, of course, last time we saw him, was uh, getting, getting our top 10 tickets in at the Masters as well. And then Matthew Fitzpatrick, who I believe is a 
good contrarian option at the top Noonan, if only because his approach shots from 175, 200 plus yards out are roughly top five on tour this year. So where does it start for you if it's not Rory or like Ron, are you trying to build out from the middle tier this week? I think that you can get down to the middle. Uh, there actually are some 6K. You know, Ron and I struggled with 6K mm-hmm. guys last week, and I think that there are 6K guys this week that we can make a viable case for. Rory is, is a um, – you know, we'll have to see the ownership, Daglin. I think you make a good point there. To me, he is a, a cross-off. Part of it is I like the rest of that top tier. Um, I think he is priced not only in relation to the field, similar to Rom as you laid out, but I think he's also being priced as if he's at Quail Hollow um, which we're not at this year because the President's Cup is there. It's September, so this is taking a pivot for one year to be here in, in Maryland at, at TPC Potomac. You know, that course fits McElroy's style a little bit more. This is a spot where this is going to be – length is going to, to prevail and always does, but this is going to be a lot of less-than-driver stuff. And it's sometimes when we see Rory not playing at his best, the driver is kind of at the core of that, and you have to be in the fairway here. So if – Rory is going to be hitting second shots from where a lot of the rest of the field are going to be hitting them from this week. That really mitigates his massive advantage in most weeks. So uh, Finau, as you said, the classic Finau, I could not make a putt Thursday, Friday, found himself in the mix from a finishing position standpoint, but really wasn't in, you know, near the final groups there on Sunday, but you know, strokes gained approach. He was dynamic last week. Uh, Answer. This is a prototypical answer course where we're talking about, uh, less than driver, driver accuracy. He's not been playing great golf, but he's playing a little bit better. Um, encouraged that he's even here if you have any concerns around his injury because as Feinberg pointed out on our golf show this morning, if he was still struggling with the back, he's not here this week. Two weeks out from an open or from a, you know, a major championship, playing two weeks in a row, he just wouldn't be here. So this feels like a really good spot for him. And then I absolutely love Corey Connors and Matthew Fitzpatrick. They are very similar in profiles nowadays with the way that Fitzpatrick is now gaining consistently with approach, um, both elite fairway finders, field average distance. Uh, we're looking at long irons and being dialed in in the spot where, especially Connors, we might not be worried about the putting here this week, as Ron's kind of pointed out. I um, absolutely love Connors. I imagine he garners a ton of ownership, but I'm really comfortable going anywhere in this tier. So if Fitz is a natural pivot and is going to be anywhere, you know, half the ownership, I have no problem starting my lineups with Fitz. Well, I think he garners the most ownership, Ron. Yes, Connors. I also believe it's okay because I wonder how much each golfer will actually be rostered. I think we're looking at a spread out field for the reasons you mentioned to start the show, that there are quite a few 6K, 7K guys I'm more than interested in now that we're back to normal tournaments and dumpster diving, not like random match play or top-heavy fields with ROM. So, yeah, I, I don't know, like... Yes, Connors will be rostered, but I actually don't think it's going to be like a a 30% player. I don't know if we're going to even have a 30% player this week at all, which is why I don't mind starting in this range with Connors or Fitzpatrick. Ron, are you just all together trying to build out from this next tier we're going to talk about, or is there one player you're honed in on that you think you still might be overweight on in the top 10K plus tier? Yeah, I'm looking at three guys. Um, You know, Tony Fino is is kind of the one um, I'm – kind of looking back and forth on, you know, the 8.2 strokes gain on approach last week is, is amazing, you know, and when he gets on these runs, when he gets dialed in with his irons, you know, it's when he gets really dangerous, you know, he's also second in the field when scoring conditions get really tough. And so 
you're looking at a difficult course, you're looking at potentially difficult weather. So that's really appealing to me. Uh, but, you know, always in the back of my mind, it's like, is the old Tony Fino going to pop out here? You know, so that's that. But, you know, my, my two guys and it's going to be kind of like you said, I think these two guys are good chalk. You know, Corey Connors um, got him coming in at 24 percent right now. And then uh, Fitzpatrick at 16 percent. So, um, you know, Fitzpatrick to me, you know, I just put an outright on him because the more I look into his numbers, I mean, he really doesn't have any flaws in his game right now. Um, he's got five top 15s his last seven events. He's fifth in the field, tee to green. And the thing he's been struggling with is his biggest strength that he's been known for is his putting. And, you know, his last two missed cuts, he's missed, uh, he's lost 6.2 strokes on the greens. And so, you know, there's no doubt he's going to turn that around. Um, he's seventh in scrambling, which is another uh, stat that's very important here. Um, the greens are only a little over 4,000 square feet. And so really tiny greens, I think they're the fourth smallest on tour. So, you know, when you just look at all those things for him um, and when he's won in Europe, you know, he's won four times in Europe. Every single time he's won, it's been on one of these shorter, tough courses. And so, you know, I just read that a few minutes ago. And, you know, that's uh, that's uh, kind of the main reason that uh, he's probably going to be my top overall choice here. You say you don't know, you go back and forth, but you just made a pretty strong case. I got to admit for him, almost convinced me to play him no matter what. I want to move on to the middle tier though, Noonan, because as Ron said, he doesn't also mind building around this one. And it's because I would imagine Russell Henley, uh, Keegan Bradley will be popular in this range. I think Paul Casey's really interesting given that the last time we saw him, even though he is unknown, he got WD'd out of the mastered post lineup lock. So everyone is pissed off at him, even though he matches really well with everything needed at this course and how he played before injury. Uh, a future rookie of the year in Cameron Young, Max Homa. There's a lot of players who pop out. So where does it start for you? Yeah, this is a uh, this is an interesting tier. I mean, I, that's kind of why I, I like a, a number of guys, but I do feel better about spending up a little bit to um, to that top tier that we talked about. But um, Russell Henley is a guy that you know, anytime you're doing any modeling, anything where you're you know leaning on strokes gained approach, which we know is the most sticky stat uh, in golf data, he's going to pop, and this is a spot for him too, where distance isn't a problem. So uh, Henley makes a ton of sense. Gary Woodland's very interesting to me as well. Uh, could not putt at all last week, but again, the irons continue to show up well. I'm happy to get back on Woodland, who maybe burned some people last week. He was popular, basically a popular fade. Uh, if you were fading Rom last week, you were looking at Woodland. So I had no problem going back there. Get into the eights. The Casey thing is interesting. The case, this Casey thing, uh, if we start to get ownership, that seems to be you know, really small single digits, I might be willing to take a look here. More so of a DFS play for me than a betting thing. Again, this feels like Valspar, as I said. The, you, know, the, you want to avoid the, the, the rough. Um, you want to be dialed in from a tee to green standpoint. If the putter could be field average, he could be in the mix. And he's won Valspar twice. So this very much feels like a Casey thing. I feel better with answer versus Casey because we've seen answer come back and play. We still have questions on Casey's side. Um, going down a little bit into the the mid eights, Max Holm is a guy that is on my radar in a big way this week, has the distance, and then also is very um, accurate off the tee. And the irons have been dialed in. The last seven measured events, he has gained shots on approach. We've seen him win tough courses, tough fields. Uh, so I'm very interested in Homa. Again, hoping that his ownership doesn't get uh, problematic. I like Homa as well. Ron, though, you're the one who mentioned it. Lots of players to start building here in this range. Where does this begin with you? Yeah, so just jumping back into the, the 9Ks here. So, yeah, mm -hmm. for sure, um, 
you know, Henley and Woodland, of course, they're the two highest owned guys in this, in this area, but uh, you know, Henley just, you know, first in approach um, fifth overall in my, my pre-model that I did um, you know, other than putting, you know, he checks all the boxes um, you know, like we said with Woodland, you know, one thing I noticed about him is, you know, when he can club down off the tee, you know, he's a lot more accurate. Um, he has a very underrated short game. I don't think people realize how good he's been around the greens. Um, he is 10th and scrambling in this field. Um, we're also looking at some pretty high wins coming on Friday and Saturday. And he ranks in the top 10 uh, as a win player too, when wins get above 15 miles an hour. So, um, and we all know how good he's been playing recently. And then kind of when you even jump a little higher here. So if you're really trying to pivot, with, you know, trying to get away from those two guys, possibly, you know, Terrell Hatton, you know, not many people are going to be on him. I have him at 11% right now. His form as far as off the tee has been very shaky. Uh, but when you get, you know, approach through the greens, you know, he's one of the better players in the field. Um, and so he's interesting. And so is Mark Leishman, you know, Leishman coming in at 8%. I think that that price is going to scare some people off at nine, seven. Um, but I know it was a few years ago, but he finished fifth and 13th in the Quicken Loans the two years it was here. Um, and again, he's uh, an Aussie who's really good in the wind. So those are two interesting pivots for me as far as ownership goes. Um, but as we get a little bit lower, kind of the tier that y'all were talking about, um, Sergio Garcia is a guy who sticks out to me at 8,700. You know, he's still among the best tee degree players in this field. When you look at the last 50 rounds, he is first at gaining strokes off the tee. And so, you know, if we're, if we're kind of going with team no putt, for this event, you know, obviously he fits there. He's also fifth in bogey avoidance. You know, he's so good around the greens as far as from the sand. Um, so some of these bunkers around these greens are really treacherous. They're deep. Um, and he's one of the best sand players in this field. So he's another interesting pivot. Uh, but the guy, um, are we going to the low seven AKJ or are we? Yeah, let's go guy down here. Okay. I have, can I, can I guess who it is before you talk about him? Sure. Uh, is it Webb Simpson? It is not. Damn. It is not. Okay. So I'm not on the web train until he shows me some uh, a little sure. better form. Um, but no, it, Seamus Power um, is the guy. Yeah. The more research I do into him right now, um, you know, he kind of was in a little mini slump there. He broke out of it. He really thrives on shorter courses, especially when you get to weaker fields like this. Um, you know, he was fifth in the match play. He was 27th in the Masters. When you and this is when, when you get into these these fields that are a little less strong, I like to kind of go longer term and kind of look at the numbers, even 75 rounds, 100 rounds. He's actually third in the field over the last 75 rounds for strokes gained total. So, you know, he's third in bogey avoidance. He's a great scrambler. Um, bent grass is his best putting surface. So, you know, eight top 15s this year. So for 8,300, you know, I think he's one of the most mispriced guys here. Um, and so he's something that really sticks out to me. Anything that stands out in the low 8Ks, Noonan, whether it be a contrarian option or a player you believe you're going to be overweight on, uh, I definitely have dabbled with Webb Simpson in early lineup building as we record this on Tuesday. But yes, it's more for contrarian thinking that I'm getting ahead of his injury since we haven't seen him in a few rounds. Uh, also, he fits in around where I believe players are going to start building in like a Cam Young and a Johnny Vegas at 7,800. So I was looking in particular to try to find an option in that range. Does anyone stand out to you? One guy we didn't mention, um, home is my favorite in this mix. I like Siwoo Kim. Siwoo Kim is another guy that is, you know, uh, the weapon off the tee is nice. Uh, he has the distance, but we're also going to find fairways here. Again, when we talk about P die tracks historically, those have been things that he's fared very well on. Um, 
you know, Siwoo could be kind of a, an up and down player on the greens and give you a run for your money when you're watching him putts. But if you kind of look, I mean, the finishes of late have been pretty solid and we've seen some decent putting outputs from him as well. So again, and if he's, he's gonna made, be- he's made 12 cuts in a row, 12 cuts in a row. So even if you're taking a conservative approach, like yeah, he's vol- he's volatile, but he's shown some amazing consistency lately. And that's the thing. That's a good point, Ron. Is the volatility now is changing to like peak and content or make the cut um, versus us seeing these like, you know, he's slamming the trunk three times in a row and then going out and putting up a top 10. We're seeing a lot more consistency in his game. So as Ron said it this the week, I'm the main core of my player pool this week. I'm looking for guys that can find fairways, but are not also not necessarily just fairway finders. If that makes sense, they could still gain off the tee even though they are accurate. And that's kind of why Homa and Siwoo kind of checked the box for me in this range. Well, let's move on to this final tier because there's a lot to talk about between the high 7Ks, even high 6Ks. I think there are four or five you could reasonably play and sneak into the weekend and just watch the world burn from there. Uh, Keith Mitchell, Jonathan Vegas, standout. Joel Damon, I'm sure, is going to be high rostered. Uh, Brian Harmon also, I think, is a terrific play off the tee, especially since we're not worrying about putting whatsoever this week. And so let's go back to you, Ron. In this range, where did it start for you? Well, I'm going to jump up just really quick to the AK mm-hmm. range because I know we talked about Cameron Young a little bit. And definitely ownership is interesting here. I got him at 17% right now. Um, but when you just look at his finishes, you know, he's got three top threes on three totally different courses. You know, you have the Country Club of Jackson at the Sanderson Farms. You have Riviera. You have Harbortown. So Harbortown was the one that shocked me because I had no yeah. – um, reason to think he would succeed there because you know he's kind of known as so so long off the tee mm-hmm. um but just the fact that he can play these different styles um is a great sign for him he's from the northeast he loves bent grass putting um and so you know he's interesting to me and you know whether he's good chalk or bad chalk you know remains to be seen but i just had to mention him but yeah this this is the loaded range to me because when you're looking at aaron rye and you know his price dropped 800 from last week and you know, he was in the mix up until Sunday when he kind of faded a little bit. But like I said on the show last week, you know, he is a world-class player. He's got six international wins, um, five top 20s this year. He's a positive ball striker. He's excellent in the wind. Um, like him, like Matt Kuchar, you know, Kuchar's another one like Seamus Power. The more I dig, the more I like him. Um, 16th at the Valspar, second at Valero, third at the RBC. You know, these are all kind of tough courses. And so here we go this week. Um he's kind of turned into a grinder almost. Um, and so this course to me fits in perfectly precision and finesse, which he has both those things. Um, he leads the tour in scrambling. He's second in bogey avoidance. And so he's another guy that really sticks out. And then as we go down a little bit lower, um, Keith Mitchell, we all know how good he is off the tee. It's a really good course for him. I think um, Brian Harmon actually finished third in my model, the pre-model that I've done uh, before the uh, uh, kind of on Sunday night. Um, so he's another guy who, you know, um, he's really good on good and on a short and difficult courses. Um, Kevin Streelman uh, set the course record here back in 2018 with a 62. Um, you know, he's got two top 35 finishes on this course. Um, and one of the biggest comp courses to TPC Potomac is TPC River Highlands. And of course, he's won there. He's got four top uh, four high finishes on that course. And so. You know, he's a guy who, you know, when you have these tight angular tree line courses that demand accuracy off the tee, he seems to thrive in those. So, you know, he's a guy who's coming in at only 8% right now. 
Um, and then, you know, as we go lower, you know, Sepp Straka to me is the most, maybe the most mispriced guy on the slate. Um, I don't think people realize how good he's been. Um, when you look at um, kind of his last five events, he's got a win, a third place, and a ninth place finish. And he's just sitting there at, you know, 7,600. Now, ownership is sneaking up for him. He's up to 14% right now. So, obviously, people are kind of seeing that same thing with him. Um, but he's he's playing at another level right now, and uh, I really love his game uh, for this week. Noonan, Ron took a lot of golfers there, a lot that I like as well. Uh, what about for you in the lower range? It's loaded, man. I mean, I, you can it make is. a case for a solid dozen of these guys and not feel like you're leaving a lot of projection on the floor. So it really will come down for me to, you know, an ownership thing. Um, you know, as Ron mentioned, I love Keith Mitchell. Brian Harmon's a guy I bet outright um, like them both very much. Strzok is a guy that will start to see some, some steam. I know Feinberg is on him from an outright standpoint. Again, Strzok is a guy that I typically don't touch historically because he's a lot like old Matthew Fitzpatrick, where a lot of times it was on and around the green. And you're looking at field average at best from an approach standpoint. And now we've seen this evolution of Matthew Fitzpatrick. He started to change. And we're seeing a little bit better tee to green stuff from Straka as well. So if he is going to continue to improve there and still be a wizard on and around the greens, as Ron said, I mean, we have three events here in the last couple of months where, you know, a win at Honda, you know, a nice showing of the players, and then, you know, does what he does at, the, at Harbortown as well. So these are really interesting. Um, David Lipsky, Aaron Rye's playing partner from a couple weeks ago over at uh, the Zurich. Lipsky has three top tens, three top eights in his last four starts. Um, absolutely immaculate tee to green last week, really on a, from an approach standpoint in Mexico, that is not a course fit for him. He does not hit the ball far, but again, he's accurate and does still, still gain off the tee. So Lipsky is a guy that I want to continue to ride the form on again, kind of fits that no putt profile a little bit. We're really leaning on uh, the tee to green stuff. So Lipsky is very, very interesting. Uh, Molinari, we have the outlier performance here, but, Molinari is a guy that of late has still kind of almost like what we saw over the last few years with Bubba, where there's these Bubba tracks and like you just play him on these handful of courses and you don't even consider him anywhere else. And we've started seeing this with this new Molinari where there's a couple of courses in California, regardless of his form, he's playing really well, plays well at the Amex, plays really well at Farmers. And maybe there's something to that. I mean, if that's something here, he's comfortable here. Again, this isn't, 2018 Molinari anymore, but I don't mind that if there's going to be no ownership. Russell uh, Knox is a guy I'm guessing that Daigle is interested in. Again, team no putt, but T to green makes a lot of sense. He is like a poor man's Russell Henley at this point. Can just kind of stripe it, uh, but then just can't make a putt at all. So he's the anti Daigle because Daigle can, uh, that putter runs hot for Daigle. So uh, there's a lot of guys down here that I think are really interesting. You know what it is? Russell Knox has become my Aaron Wise to you. Like, yeah. I literally can't stop playing them, especially at courses like this where it's about accuracy, length, and approach. Like, who does it all better in one package than Russell Knox? It comes down to putting. So, yes, in my single entries, I do admittedly have Russell Knox locked up once I saw <laughs> 7,300 on DraftKings. I also think you may have touched on him running off there, but I also think Austin Smotherman's a great play for his distance at 6,800. Uh, I'd be fine uh, probably rostering some Ryan Armour as well for his distance too. Uh, again, that's what makes this tournament so interesting is that we could stay in this range forever, which makes me then want to ask, maybe this is the final question even, I don't know, because I'm just pondering aloud, what are your approaches 
Like, what is your favorite strategy for building this week? Because maybe it's popular. I don't know. But I think I'm going to put two 10K guys in my lineup and start there. Whether it be Connors or Fitzpatrick, even though I think Fitzpatrick's going to be the lowest rostered of all of them. So personally, so I want to make sure he's one of them I lock in. But then I genuinely think you can fit Rory, Finau, or Connors with him and still make a solid lineup. Yeah, I don't mind that at all. Um, I messed around with a little bit of that uh, this morning, and I think that that's very viable because there are guys down here, like, you know, we, we didn't even get to $7,100 Marty Laird. Like, Laird is, again, perfect. This is a perfect Marty Laird place. Mm-hmm. Tita Green can be great. Can't putt for his life, but we know the approaches are going to be solid. We know he's going to be in the fairway. You can go all the way down to $6,500 Hayden Buckley, who finds fairways, gains off the tee, and is pretty solid from an approach standpoint. And I don't feel like I'm losing a ton of projection going down to $6,500 where, um, you know, playing the Buckley or Bryce Garnett, typically on most weeks, I feel like I'm, I'm losing a lot of projection to some guys in the mid sevens. And I don't really think that that's the case here. So I think you definitely get away with it. If we do see that there's a massive discrepancy in ownership, specifically on Fitz, who um, I think the three of us are all very much on, would love to make him a core part of lineup bills this week. And I think you can kind of mix and match, whether it's Finau's, Connor's, um, answers all around him. Um, Rory's not going to be in the player pool for me, but I understand if it gets to a point where we're going to have like 8% Rory, that's kind of a different discussion and we'll kind of get there tomorrow. But as of now, he, he feels like a, a name that's not going to be in my small player pool. And I want to get your favorite strategy, Ron, but thinking about it more as we talk about it, it may not even matter what Corey Connors comes in at if he's popular, because as we've already discussed, there's so many options this week. I bet ownership is just flat throughout the board. So maybe we shouldn't even worry about it, knowing we're going to naturally fall into being contrarian in other spots. Yeah, for sure. As long as you're different in at least, you know, three, three, four spots in your lineup, you can definitely get away with that. Um, You know, for me, like I, like Ryan said, completely fading Rory this week. Um, And, you know, I think you can get away easily with, you know, if you start with Fitzpatrick, you have around 7,800 left. Um, like we just talked about that whole upper 7k, low 8k, you could just finish out your lineup with those guys. Um, you could go to Henley and Woodland and you could get up kind of higher in that eight range where you're getting into Seamus Power, Siwoo Kim, Max Homa. Um, so there's, there's a lot of variety this week as far as different ways you can build. Um, for me, like as we get into that, and this is what, even if you wanted to go Fitzpatrick and Connors together, you're left with around 7,400. And when we get into that low 7k range, you know, a couple other guys that would help you fit that build, you know, Denny McCarthy, you know, he's a native, obviously there's going to be some narrative with that, but you know, he's coming in at only 3% right now. And I know Daigle, he's one of your guys. Uh, But, you know, on a course like this, where you have to say par, you know, that's one of the things he's best at. Obviously we know how good he is on the greens, um, but uh, a great par four score as well. And, you know, kind of even dropping down here, Luke list is really interesting to me. Um, You know, wasn't that long ago he won obviously he's struggling lately uh but you know this is a ball strikers course and he leads the field in tee to green um and so when you kind of look at him um i think he's due for a bounce back and seven percent ownership um you know that to me is a guy who i'm going to be targeting a lot um and even when we go lower here you know grayson sig you know i know he's not the most flashy name but he's made 10 out of 11 cuts So, you know, he's not finishing super high, you know, he's kind of fading on the weekend, but he's, you know, he's getting better as we go here. He's coming in at 3%. 
And another guy who I really like who's at 1% is Mackenzie Hughes. Now, these are the kind of courses that he really comes to life on, these difficult courses. Um, you know, he's really good around the greens. He's great scrambling. And so, you know, he's been horrible lately. Uh, but, you know, I think kind of when you look at him um, trying to fit guys in from this range, you know, he honestly, he's one of the lower guys I'm going to go to. I got burned last week by Chase Seaford and uh, Joseph Bramlett. You know, I had them so much last week and both of them ended up missing the cut. So I'm not really prone to go much deeper than the, the 7K range here. But uh, Mackenzie Hughes is someone who is also on my radar. I tried to hone it down for everyone, but really it sounds like the world is our oyster this week as we have normal PGA DFS with fun game theory yet again. Any closing thoughts, Noonan, besides everything we've already discussed ahead of lineup locks Thursday morning? Yeah, I mean, because there are so many viable options in like, and you say the 7,400 down range. Mm -hmm. I really think so. I really think that that, that range is loaded, um, even in just the seven case in general. Um, I think you really have to be cognizant, regardless of your style, whether you are, you know, getting close to max entering, whether you're three maxing, whether you make, you know, 15 hand builds, be really cognizant of ownership this week because there are significantly more viable pivots that I think are in play this week than most weeks down here. So, um, you know, there are a lot of guys that I really love that I'm trying to not fall in love with and just kind of lock in on because I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to make up my mind today and say I'm, I'm jamming in Brian Harmon, no matter what, when he's going to come in at like 15% when I can leave very little to go down to Troy Merritt or Lipsky or, you know, there's just a ton of guys that we, some guys we didn't even talk about. So, um, there are a lot. So be very, very cognizant of of uh, ownership there and be smart. You can, you know, jam at the top of the board, get guys that you think have win equity. I think that Connors and Fitzpatrick both can go out and win this event without question. So if I can get top of the board win equity and kind of, you know, diversify down low to not leave myself overexposed to one of these lower guys, it's definitely going to be how I'm concentrating on building my three lineups this week. I'll ask one more question before I get out of here to keep on trying to whittle this player pool down. Uh, favorite outright bet, Ron? I know you have quite a few going hard in the Discord right now, but if I ask you to give a non-political answer, who's the one golfer you feel most comfortable with as an outright option this week? Oh, man. <laughs> I probably should have come funny. to you last. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, when Cameron Young, when I saw him for um, – at 50 to one, that kind of blew my mind. I think he's down to 40 to one right now. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think that's a really good number. Um, you know, Seamus Power, you know, FanDuel had some crazy can't, numbers. He can't do one. He can't do one. He cannot do one. I'll just say this last thing. So Seamus Power, you know, FanDuel had some crazy numbers. He was actually 48 to one at one point, you know. You got to you got to check those lines when they first come out because you'll find some amazing value in there. We're gonna encourage everyone to do that who you know who puts bets on these things. But um, yeah, those would be my top two that I really love as far <laughs> even from a value standpoint. So I'll stop there. Noonan, <laughs> I love that top about two? Ron. You know, um, yeah, I, number one for me is Connors, and I you know, not that we're, we did a betting show. You can find that wherever you find the show as well. Um, I don't know. I I feel like there's so much like. Everyone wants to like preface it with like, oh, it's Corey Connors. I can't bet Connors at 22 to one or 20 to one. It's like, you got to move on. Like this guy is, he, he gains strokes throughout the bag. He has improved on the greens. 
He's significantly better around the greens. He's elite tee to green. We know that. Like, um, yeah, he hasn't won a lot. Um, we haven't won since the 19 Valspar. But if you look, like, he is consistently in the mix. You know, outside of like a T35 at Valero, he has four top 12s in his last six tough fields. He did it for us at Augusta. Like this guy is different and better than you think he is. And like, we're going to, I'm going to personally sink a ton of money on Will Zalatoris next time he's on the card because we know that that's who he is and his profile, his skill set is sticky and will play anywhere. And I think that's kind of who Corey Connors is now. So like he is tough to stomach, I guess, if you're thinking about 2019, Corey Connors at 20 to one, but he's better than that now. And I have no problem firing him. This is a perfect fit for him. He's going to find fairways. If he can make some putts, he is absolutely first page of the leaderboard on Sunday. I think it's because he doesn't have one defining trait that jumps out to you. Like who wants to roster or bet on a tempo golfer? Tempo's like the one thing when people go play golf, they don't give a shit about it at all. Whereas you have to have like ripping strength, like Bryson be an artist like Tiger. Uh, Willie Z you mentioned is a elite young and up cover who like showed up to the masters and tore it apart. Whereas again, Connors is just tempo and T to greed. You can't like account for since we also know golf is on tape delay and it takes like six minutes to watch them play a hole. But other than that, yeah, yeah. I agree. Connors is an amazing play uh, with that gentleman. Quick pub. What else do you have coming out on the site this week for everyone to see Ron? Yeah, we've got uh, the uh, my final betting model and uh, DFS stuff will be coming out uh, tonight, tomorrow morning. First round leader. Uh, we got John Rom last week. Of course, he had to divide it uh, by six. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> looking forward to doing that again and seeing uh, what we can pull out of the numbers this week. And before you go, Noonan, quickly, a reminder, everyone, make sure you're in the Betsports Golf Discord and checking Friday, Saturday, and Sunday morning because Ron, of course, has all of that content pumping out, waiting for you when you wake up to bet the next day. Noonan, what else do you have out the site right this week? Yeah, uh, Discord, you're going to get the in, uh, in-tournament bets that Ron and Andy are making. Uh, get alerts for all of Ron's DFS stuff and showdown stuff is great. So betting model, betting card preview coming for me here probably on the site uh, later this afternoon on Tuesday. Definitely want to check that out. Um, changed up the format a little bit this week. I want to talk about more guys and more ways to bet them. So uh, take a look for that on uh, betspurtsgolf.com. And with that, we are running down the course to our next major in a few weeks' time. But until then, good luck this week. Lineup locks Thursday morning. We will see you in the Discord over the weekend. See you next week.